What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me, as he does for MLB Podcast, is Luis Barranco. We're back after a week hiatus. I was on vacation. Uh, Luis, how you doing? You know, I've just been chilling and working. It's hot as balls paws out here in Miami. It has been a literal oven here. What's the temp out there? It's it's a scorcher in Chicago today. Got up to 100, actually. But it's like 98. But the thing about it is, is like every single day, it's like there's a scheduled rain between <laughs> like after like 12. Like you'll have lunch, you go on lunch break, you'll catch like the sun, and then clouds will come out. And that's when everybody goes inside, finishes up work. You'll get the huge storm for like 20 minutes and then boom, sun's out at like five, six o'clock and it's a literal absolute scorcher humidity. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, oof, what are you going to do about it? It's just, that's just the world we live in. That's a whole different, you know, pod. We can get Armand on to talk about political and climate change, global yeah. warming. Yeah. We, we can, yeah. If, if Maybe we should branch off and do a uh, political pod, do a world current affairs pod too if if the listeners are into that i mean because hey, we both keep up with that stuff and you know i'm a big history guy so we could could do some history pods too i mean that is what it is but right now we're going to talk about some ball we're going to talk about some baseball yeah so we have a we have a, a good pod planned obviously you know we we didn't do one last it's week it's been a minute too it's, that's the other thing you know it's been a minute the listeners are starved for content so we we you know we've missed some things, but we're, we're going to get to the Wander Franco stuff today. We're going to get to the the White Sox. Some big news coming down in, in Chicago last night. Some news also yesterday coming out about Pete Alonso and him. Uh, you know, the the Mets trying to move him maybe at the deadline or even potentially this offseason as well. And then obviously we have the red hot Mariners who are just absolutely scorching right now. Julio Rodriguez might single handedly win Joe the fantasy baseball league this year. Before we get into it, you did say that you had something you wanted to bring up before we started the, the rundown that we have for today's pod. Yeah, I mean, we didn't touch – it wasn't in the rundown, but I want to talk about some surprising ball. I want to talk about the um, the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking in offline, and it was kind of uh, – I had this conversation with you. We didn't talk about it that much, but like, I didn't see what the Nationals were doing. Like I didn't feel like they had like pieces that you are like worth building around. But as the season's gone on, I've got to watch them a little bit. I saw them beat the Reds and they swept the Reds. I think. Yeah, they did. They, they did sweep they the, Reds. the Reds. They had a good weekend versus the Phillies. They've been playing good ball, and you see C.J. Abrams starting to making a turn into that you know shortstop that was one of the big headliners in the Soto package. James Wood is playing really good in the minor leagues. I mean, Josiah Gray still has, you know, potential. Kiebert Ruiz's bats heat up. Like, there's a lot to like with the Nationals. And I just wanted to, like, notice that Davey, uh, David Martinez just got an extension. I just wanted to, like, you know, say, like, they're, like, I would like to see them spend some money this year. Like, they actually have good foundational pieces where they can build towards the future. I want to see them spend money. I want to see them, like, not say splash, but, like, add to that core because they have – Good foundational pieces. They're eight and two in their last ten, which is better than every team except the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in the NL. And, and you know their last ten includes series against Boston and Philly. So and, and they swept Oakland, which you know taking care of business for them as well. You you hit on it. I mean CJ Abrams has been 
really good for them this year. He's, he's hitting 250, but you know, he has 13 home runs and, and 33 stolen bases. So he, he seems like a really nice piece moving forward uh, for them. But obviously, you know, their superstar, the guy that they want to be their, their franchise guy moving forward is going to be Dylan Cruz. You know, he's already in double A this year after being the second overall pick in, in the draft uh, in, in, Ju- in July. And I mean, we might see him up this year. I doubt it, but I, I think he's pretty much guaranteed to be a lock um, to make the big league squad next year. So boom, you throw him in the mix, build around him. They have James Wood, another outfielder coming up next year. Uh, he's a you know top 100 prospect. So I, I really like what they're putting together. I'm a big Josiah Gray guy. You're right. They extended uh, Davey Mar- Dave Martinez. And I don't know, like from, from like this time last year, we, we, certainly saw what they got in return for Soto and, and realized that they're going to basically be building out the Padres farm system and, and banking on those guys. And, you know, we're starting to see some of that come to fruition and that you, you add in a Dylan Cruz, who's a franchise caliber guy into the mix. And yeah, all of a sudden, I mean, Washington could, could be coming, could, could get into the mix in the national league East. Now, the interesting part about that division obviously is you have the Braves who are going to be good for a long time. The Phillies, who I think we both think are going to be good for a long time. The Marlins who are up on the upswing, the Mets who you know are going to be good here. Not maybe maybe not next year, but in twenty twenty five they're going to be good again. So they're in arguably what could become the best division in baseball, you know, in the next three to five years, and it's already a great division. So they they are in a tough spot just divisionally, but I do like what they are starting to put together in Washington. We're starting to see some of the the pieces come to fruition. But like looking at their core, it's a much more. Um... The core is it's it's much more sustainable than my, I feel like Miami's core and you know Philadelphia, you know yeah they splash a lot of money but you know for the longevity, like in five years yeah the Phillies are going to have all these names but they're going to be on these huge contracts while the Nationals are just going to be like right in the thick of things with probably Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean. You know, is Washington going to be willing to pay their guys when when their time comes? Now it's going to be a while before that happens. I would like I mean, to see have, that they have before. That's what yeah. I'm saying. They've, they've they've paid. They were willing to pay Soto. They paid Strasburg, and I mean, that's just you know, happens. Like you can't just be like, oh, that's an awful contract. I mean, you had to pay him after that World Series, and then injuries happen. That's just yeah. a part of the game. They paid it, Patrick Corbin the yeah. over one forty six, which at that point. Patrick Corbin was like the guy in free agency. Everybody was like, everybody in like, and this is funny because in the Caribbean, they don't care about the small teams. Like they only care about the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Braves, like the bigger known teams in baseball. And it's where every Caribbean Yankees fan was saying like, oh yeah, yeah Patrick Corbin is going to be like the superstar of the Yankees. Like he's going to be the savior of the Yankees. Everybody was like, it wasn't even free agency. It was like freaking September or October, and they were like, "Oh yeah, Patrick Corbin, he's coming, he's coming." I know he was one of those guys that Yankee fans wanted in free agency. His his contract comes off the books after next season. He's making thirty five million dollars next year to be one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball. That's that's tough, but it's finally going to come off the books for them, which is good. I would like to see them get more arms in, in that rotation in that in that pen, but uh, I, you know that they can get them. Kyle Finnegan, I think, has been solid for them in relief this year. They got Cade Cavalli coming up right in a pitcher coming up next year. Or sorry, he's, he's up this year, um, but we're going to continue to see him develop. So, yeah, but, I, I just would love to see them add a few more arms. Obviously, they're not any close to being contenders, but 
I can see the framework. I can I can see them finally becoming relevant again. Not that they honestly they weren't that irrelevant for that long. They they fell off after nineteen, but it's really only been what 2020, 21, 22, it's four years since uh, of irrelevancy for the Nats. It's like the Tigers. Like I finally see the vision on Detroit. I see the vision. I, I do see the vision too. With with Detroit, it's just going to be. I think Detroit's rebuild could be longer than what we're seeing in in Washington, honestly, because Max Carr is going to take a lot longer to come up than Dylan Cruz. And you know the the Nat the Tigers. I, I know I know we didn't want to mention the Yankees, but the Tigers are on the heels of the Yankees right now. They could finish with a better record than the Yankees this season, which tell me the last time that happened. Probably like 2012, Riley Green looks like a really good bat. Harry Carpenter is it also playing his balls off pause and um, Spencer Torkelson's having a year right now. So they have the frameworks of a team out in Detroit. So we'll see what happens. I mean, hats off to Davey Martinez. They don't get a lot of love. Those bad teams really don't get a lot of love for what they're doing, but he's done a really good job with what he's been given with and well-deserved to get that contract extension out. Yeah. Uh, would would love that. to see, would love to see them, you know, pass the Mets and finish fourth in, in the National League East this year. If you did a parlay of the Yankees, Mets, and Padres all to miss the playoffs before the season, first of all, send me your ticket and, and show me to prove it. But I mean, that's probably plus 2,000 odds on that because those were all pretty much locks heading into the season to just make the playoffs and they're all going to miss them. But yeah, shout out to Washington. Shout, also, you mentioned Spencer Torkelson. Shout out to him, man. I mean, he needed to have a productive year this year, and, and he, he is. He's coming through um, for Detroit, a Detroit team that's showing some signs. Um, and, you know, I think that that's a good that's a good point you brought up about Washington. I like what they're building. We do. That's a good segue, I think. And, you know, one of the biggest news of the week that we've missed out was uh, the White Sox firing um, Rick Hahn and uh, Kenny Williams. That's that's big. So you you took it away. The Chicago resident of the pod, the Chicagoan, go ahead. Yeah, huge news coming out of Chicago last night. Very very surprising news, as you mentioned. Uh, owner Jerry Reinsdorf fired executive vice president Kenny Williams and GM Rick Hahn. Uh, Williams has been you know basically Reinsdorf's top baseball guy since like two thousand one. Uh, Han started with the organization in 02 and was promoted to GM before the 2013 season. So they were both there for the World Series in 2005. Uh, no one really expected this to happen. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf's 87 years old. Uh, he doesn't really fire people. As you can see, these guys have been around for, for so long. And, you know, the White Sox, while they did get a World Series, have only made the playoffs three times since 2005. One of those was in 2020, the COVID-shortened season. They've won a total of three playoff games in those three seasons. And since 2006, they've had just three winning seasons total. So very surprising news, just because Reinsdorf is always so loyal to his guys. And uh, it takes a lot for him to fire somebody. And he's so old that you would have just thought he kind of would have wrote it out until he, you know, eventually passes away. And uh, But he, he seems to be wanting to make some change in Chicago. Um, and it surprised some people. And he said, you know, uh, last night, he said, this is an incredibly difficult decision for me to make because they're, they're both talented individuals with long-term relationships at the White Sox. Ken is like a son of me, and I always consider him a member of my family. I want to personally thank Ken and Rick for all they've done for the Chicago White Sox, winning the 2005 World Series and reaching the postseason multiple times during their 10 years. Uh, I have nothing but the greatest respect for them as people, you know, but why they've done great. Then he went on to say, 
while we've enjoyed successes as an organization and we're optimistic heading into the competitive window of this rebuild, this year has proven to be very disappointing for us on many levels. This has led me to the conclusion that the best decision for this organization moving forward is to make a change in our baseball department leadership. So yeah, White Sox are looking for a GM. Uh, and it's important to note the White Sox in their statement did say that they will begin a search for a single decision maker to lead the baseball operations department and anticipate, anticipate having an individual in place by the end of the season. They brought in Tony La Russa today to be a consultant in their search. Can uh, I just say something about Tony La Russa? Yeah. I saw him the other day on a, on like, a, he was getting interviewed and bro, that man looks tough right now. Like, oh, I did see that. He was at the Cardinals game and they were interviewing him in a box. Yes, that's what it was, bro. That White Sox drop definitely aged him a couple of years. I mean, this has been nothing but, you know, a bad PR season for the White Sox. You know, we've had the TA fight. We've had the clubhouse issues. We've had Kenyon Middleton coming out after he got traded to the Yankees and ripping the, the culture of the team. There's no leader, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just been a train wreck of a season for the White Sox. So, you know, while everyone knows this was needed, it was still surprising that Reinsdorf did it. You know, he, it's interesting to, to to note that there was a story that came out on Monday, you know, noting that guaranteed rate only has six years left on the lease. And apparently Reinsdorf is thinking about moving the team, whether it be somewhere else in the city, somewhere to the suburbs or even out of the market. Um, that might have just been a, a leverage play or something. I'm not I'm not really sure. But I mean, I, I'd be stunned if the White Sox moved. Out of Chicago. Move them to Arlington Heights, man. Move them to Arlington Heights. You know, that's a vibe. I mean, I will say, like, if the White Sox moved to Chicago, uh, to the suburbs, they would have a lot more people go to their games just because it'd be a lot easier to access that stadium than it is now, depending on what suburb you put it in. Um, and, you know, not many people in the city really care about the White Sox, uh, if we're being honest. You know, the Cubs are by far the more popular team. They have been forever. The, the Sox are kind of the forgotten team of, of Chicago sports. So maybe a move to the suburbs wouldn't be the worst thing. You know, but they are they are known as the Southsiders, so that would be that would be a you know, and they're a very historic team. They're one of the first franchises in baseball history. That that would be a pretty pretty huge move. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, I think with the White Sox, what really needs to happen is Ryan Swerf needs to sell the team. You know, he bought the team in in the seventies, eighties for a few hundred million. He'd sell it for multiple billion at this point. It's in a great market. You know, uh, it's an attractive buy if you're an owner you know so i why is reinsworth still owning this team uh ken Rosenthal did report that apparently mlb exec execs think the gm job is attractive because you have a great city a loyal owner and a weak division but i, I just don't know if i'd want to work for for jerry reinsdorf if i'm a gm at this point so i don't know what are, what are your thoughts on this this whole thing it's been a train wreck of a season for the Sox. i mean my biggest thing is like I think Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn get the, the get they they get the Kool Aid for winning that one World Series. You know, it, this was like due. They've been poor evaluators of their own talent, and I have a list of trades I wanna I'm gonna say. Um, James Shields for Eric Johnson and a player to be named later, which ended up becoming Fernando Tatis. Yeah, everyone knows that one. That's the famous one. Uh, Frankie Montas and Trace Thompson to the LA Dodgers. For for Todd Frazier, who came from the Reds in that three way, yeah, that's that's a bad deal. Now Montas has been burnt forever ever since joining the Yankees, but good, yeah, that's a bad that's a bad one for Chicago. Uh, Jeff Samarja from the A's for Marcus Simeon, Chris Oof. Bassett, 
and Josh Fegley, who was a serviceable catcher for a couple of seasons, and Langel Ravello. That's a bad. That's a really bad one. Craig Kimbrell for Nick Madrigal and Cody Hewer. Yeah, that's that's a bad one. Um, Todd Frazier, David Robinson, and Tommy Canley for Blake Rutherford, cool. and Tyler Colbert, and Tito Polo, and Ian Clarkin. It's another really bad one. It's just like they've just been poor evaluators of talent. And when you look at the trades they've done, like, okay, let's think about the sale return. They got Yohan Mankata, who Yohan Mankata, what is Yohan Mankata right now? I mean, Yohan Mankata was the top prospect in all of baseball, so it's fair to say that he has not lived up to the hype. But that just goes on bad, you know, that's just bad player development. Like, they have great talent, but they can't develop it. Uh, Michael Michael Kopech, Michael Kopech's arm, like the Red Sox at that point where they traded sale, they had one of the deepest systems. They had Kopech, they had uh, Mankata, they had so many guys. And a lot of those guys ended up becoming serviceable MLBers. But it's just like, bro, how can you not like tap in as like player developers into that like one or two percent? Yep. Like they've done a good job getting them up to the league, but like a lot of these guys were supposed to be like the next big thing. Like Juan Mankata, like I think Juan Mankata could have gotten pretty much ninety five percent of MLB players in a trade. When yeah, he, he was, was he was the guy back then. I mean, that was like that was a blockbuster of all blockbuster trade and. Him and, I, I, Michael, him and Michael Kopech, those two literally could have gotten pretty much anybody except for crap, Mike Trout, maybe. Yeah. Or who else? Who else is a. What maybe year was that? When was it? What year, yeah. 2017? I think so, something like that. And then they got, they traded like for Giolito, and I mean, Giolito hasn't been the same guy. Yeah. It was 2017. Yeah. So, Chris, like, yeah, Trout. Um, ooh. Who else? I mean, who else was who was the best player in the league that year? Who I'm trying to think. Uh, think of who won the MVP. I'm going to look up who won the Stanton MVP. Stanton won the uh, won the NL MVP. Springer was the World Series MVP. Yeah, Correa was the top guy. Yeah, but I'm just saying everybody would have taken Juan Moncada in a heartbeat because this yeah. dude was like the next big thing. I mean, not you wouldn't have traded Mookie Betts for him. But well, I, I get he, your point. He was he was the top guy. You know, he was the. Dylan Cruz, the Paul Skeens, the Jackson Holiday type prospect, and yeah. So and can we also and can we also talk about this part? And I forget. And this is like the last trade I'm going to bring about. Like they did a good job in getting returns. They're probably really good traders. Not going to lie, they've been great traders because they've been able to get good, like talented pieces on the team, but they haven't made it work. Like well, James, they, they, so they've James, they, James, they like for example, here's the other trade I want to bring up. Um, Jose Quintana to the Cubs. You, we, you and me both know that the Cubs and White Sox don't trade with each other. Like, they just don't. They do more than you think. They do more than you think, but it's just like you're not going to ship, like, Jose Quintana, who was probably that season, was the best trade piece, one of the better arms in the market that year. Yeah, it was like and the third were, or fourth guy on that year. And then the market, they got back Hilo Jimenez, who was a top 50 guy, Dylan Cease, and Dylan Cease. Like, that is a return that, you know, that is a crazy return. I'm looking back. Those are like two top 50 guys. Yeah, and if you're looking at the White Sox roster right now, they still have a lot of those prospects that, you know, they traded for. Yo Moncada. They have Luis Robert, who they can build around. They have Dylan Cease, who they're going to build around. We, they made that clear at this year's deadline that they're going to build around Robert and, and Cease. So if you're a, a, an exec looking to become a GM, I mean, it is an attractive job. You're in a great market. 
you have a loyal owner, you know you're not going to get fired as long as Reinsdorf is alive. And it's in a really weak division. You know, pretty much everyone in the American League Central has a pretty weak farm system. Cleveland has a decent one. Detroit on always has a good one. But like it's middle of the pack. It's not. But my whole point, my yeah. whole point is though. This is my whole point is that they get all these talented players. Perfect example is their farm right now. Oscar Colas and Yoelki Suspedes, two really good guys. Even you can add Jake Berger. Jake Berger is hitting that like a three fifty clip right here in Miami. Like dude just got a bit of sunlight and started eating some Cuban food, <laughs> and the buddy is now like, bro, he's like fuck the burgers. Fuck the Chicago hot dogs. Fuck Portillo's. I'm going to just go get some Flanagan's. And the dude's freaking just raking. And awesome. you know, I would also like to say the Marlins are doing a better job marketing Jake Berger than the White Sox ever did. They did. They did. Like literally the day after he got traded, I got emailed for like, I think it was like $20 tickets. but And I'd get a free burger to go see Jake Berger. Exactly. I mean, boom, it's simple. No, but what I'm saying is, is like they have all this talent, but they just done such a poor job of like, okay, they get him up, pause. But then, you I- know... It's like, where, where, where is the talent development? It's just like, well, the MLB talent development has been garbage. So, like, yeah. maybe if you put if you put the Yankees talent development, the MLB talent development up with the White Sox, you probably have a perennial, like, I don't want to say World Series, but a CS team. And and that that's why this organization is going to need a complete overhaul. Look at Lance Lynn, too. Bro, yeah. we don't talk about that. Lance Lynn's on the Dodgers, and the dude's like... Pitching like at a at a three ERA rate. I watched him pitch. Like I watched his first start, and I know it was the A's, but his stuff looked good. Like his breaking stuff was there. His fastball had life, and it had good velocity. Like I was like, bro, where did where was this guy yeah. like two weeks ago? Well, Lynn's numbers have been great since it going to L.A. And I mean, I think the Dodgers have the best player development system in all of baseball. They look at Jason. They Jason they, they they've revived Jason Hayward. Yeah, and Jason JD Hayward. Has like one of the most broken swings. Well, JD has talent with his bat. He just had a bad year in Boston. But Jason Hayward was literally the biggest thing coming up through the Braves. But the biggest knock on him was his swing was so ugly. You're right. The the, the White Sox need a complete overhaul, not only of the, the, the front office, but the player development system, their scouting department. You know, they need to completely change the way they approach the game and the organization. I'll be curious to see which guys move on. To different places like I think TA is as good as gone. Uh, is Moncada going to stay? We'll see. Are they going to try to develop him? But I mean, the interesting thing about the White Sox in, in the division that they play in is they could theoretically they have talent, so they could theor- theoretically get hot and win, win, go out and win the division next year. I mean, we just don't know. So um, it, it is an attractive job. I think this move had to be made. I still think Reinsdorf needs to sell the team, make a fortune, and, and go live on a beach somewhere um, for the rest of his years. Just- just go buy a house in Lake Forest and just retire. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think he should retire somewhere warm. Chicago's not really a retirement place. Hey, who cares? Some people just love the city. Here's my question. What, what is your thoughts as Dylan Cease as a, uh, as a building block? Well, let me look at his contract. He's due for free agency, I think, in two years. But like, what is your yeah. thoughts like – so, yeah, he's got two more years of arbitration, and then he'll be a free agent at age 30, 2026. But as a building block, like, he's had that great year last year, and this year he's been okay. He hasn't been, you know, that dude. 
it's just you know what I'm. It, it, it's giving me. He's giving me like that one year, that one good year, like Cindy Alcantara vibes. Mm. That you get that one good year, mm. and I think it's just better to just move on because I know teams like teams are like I know the Reds love Dylan Cease. The Reds love Dylan Cease because he just fits the mold of a Reds pitcher. Because you know, at Great American and like those uh, hitters parks, you got to strike people out. If you're a fly ball pitcher like Sonny Gray, you're a contact pitcher. You're just going to be screwed over because like those parks, any fly ball with wind, especially think about like if you go to Wrigley, uh, you know, pitcher, uh, contact pitcher at Wrigley, it'd just be crazy. And that's what I'm saying. Like Cease is a strikeout guy. I just think that you know it'd be better for them just to like cash in because they're not going to be good in two years they're just starting to rebuild it's not like they're in a position like the orioles or how the reds were that they have this one really really good guy coming up in the system that's like a like a renaissance player like an ellie or an adley rushman and the same thing with the nationals they have james wood james wood has that type of potential to be one of those renaissance guys yeah but they don't have that renaissance guy of course they don't, but they have big league talent. I mean, like you said, Cease was in the Scion race last year. I think he has the stuff, but I mean, that boils down to what What do you prioritize in a rebuild? Do you prioritize bats over arms or do you are you a guy that wants to go out and get the arms first and then fill in the bats? Because the but Marlins- it's, just, it's just the timeline, dog, but that's the thing. It, it's, it's not a question of, of what do you prioritize. It's a question of the timeline. You got to ask yourself first the timeline, then you got to figure out, all right, what do we want? It's like, okay, when do I want to get married? And then the next thing is like, okay, I want to get married at this type of age. And then I got to figure out, okay, what am I looking in a wife? Well, okay. Yeah. I, I just, I, I mean, a few minutes ago, I said that I think they can contend next year because they have the talent on the roster already and the division is so bad. So I, don't, I disagree. I don't think, I think Detroit's going to be better. I think Cleveland's going to be better. Because I don't think Cleveland's ever going to be like the worst team in that division. And then who's left? Oh, and then Minnesota. Minnesota will be perennial, you know, 600. Yeah, perennial, yeah. (laughs) Casey, who's got nothing except Bobby Witt right now. He's been on fire. No, they got Frank Mazzucato, Blake Mitchell, you know, all those high school ballers, you know. They're in a tough spot. But I think the job is still attractive, so I'll be very curious to see uh, who they bring in. They did say that they, they plan on having an individual in place by the end of the season. So this could be a quick turnaround. Uh, for I'm, 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 I'm just saying, it's just like how the scheduling is now. Like if it was just playing the central, okay, you could probably give it. But since they're playing the East and the West and those NL teams, like, man, the White Sox are like probably a bottom five team in baseball right now. Like, when it's all said and done next season. Well, the Twins are going to win the division, and they're three games over 500 right now. So, but what I'm saying is, like, are the White Sox better than any AL East team right now? No, uh, okay. they might be better. No, they're not even better than the Yankees. No, and AL West A's. Yeah, well, the A's are that. Well, the A's the A's got some building blocks. That's a, they they got no pitching, but they got building blocks. Uh, but but there, that's a, the whole point is I I just don't see a world where you can be competing next year if you don't if you don't spend money they're gonna have to find a way to move on guys like Benintendi and you know I just said like you better like strike the iron when it's hot and like 
call up Cincinnati and just raid their system for Dylan Cease. Yeah, like, I mean that, that that would that would or or a Baltimore, you know, I think or or even Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, bro, we don't talk about Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's timeline is if it's if it's not for an O'Neill Cruz injury this year, they could be in that race. Yeah, and obviously they have Skeens coming up, so they I mean Cease would be an amazing arm to pair with with Paul Skeens. They got Tamar Johnson. So yeah, I mean, they have a, they have a good farm. Bro, how nasty would that be? Think about it. They got Henry Davis, Brian Reynolds, Tamar Johnson, O'Neill Cruz, uh, Nick Gonzalez, Key Brian Hayes, Paul Skeens, Key Brian. Bro, I forgot Key Brian, and then they got Bednar. Like, imagine if you had if you had a cease to that. Yeah, but who do you give up? Like, you probably have to give up a Tamar or an Andy Rodriguez to get. You, you, you don't give you, bro. I'd give up Andy Rodriguez. You keep Tamar. Tamar's Tamar at this point is untouchable. Tamar's probably Tamar's at that point right now. He's in the James Wood, Ellie De La Cruz, and Adley Rushman category of prospects wow. at this point. You think he's that? I am on full Tamar Johnson. You put me on him, and ever since I've been watching him, I am full Tamar Johnson. All right. I just don't know if he's going to be up next season, but yeah, I mean that's that's a player that we haven't talked about at all this year is O'Neill Cruz because he's been hurt. But yeah, he's he was the Ellie De La Cruz before Ellie De La Cruz came along, and people have forgotten about him. I like what Pittsburgh has. I think it makes sense to trade Cease. I'll be very curious to see what the new GM thinks about that because obviously Han wanted to keep Cease and Robert. Um, will those two be building blocks for the team moving forward? But the new GM that remains to be seen. Yeah, big big news in Chicago uh, will be an interesting story to follow in, in the coming weeks. You wanna you wanna touch on Franco or you, you want to go to Pete? Yeah, the wander the wander is a pretty sticky situation. I'm not gonna really comment about this because I'm just gonna let the legal system play out. We're just gonna report the news because this is a podcast and we are here to inform fans and talk about the baseball side. As I said, I will not speak about Mr. Wander Franco's beliefs. I will not speak about his preferences, and I will not speak anything about the case. I will just speak facts. We're only going to speak facts. So Wander was placed on the admin leave on Tuesday because if you haven't read Twitter, he was supposedly in a relationship with a minor, and by a minor that means under 18 years old. The Monica Republic uh, legal officials are investigating and the MLB investigating separately, and people think that Wander will not play a game of baseball again. So that's that's the facts. From a baseball standpoint, the Rays' future was so bright, now it looks so bleak. So you know, bleak. So, so like the Reds the, the Rays might be the devil rays real soon. If they don't if because if you haven't kept up, all their arms are pretty much out. McClanahan's out, Rasmus is out, and who's the other guy they Jeff lost? Springs. And Jeff Springs are out. So they're pretty much held up by Taj Bradley. Taylor Tyler Glasnow, who many people think will get traded this offseason because they're going to have to pay him. And, you know, Tampa does not have money, so he could be on the market. And their farm system, yeah, it's a good farm system, but it's really, you know, they don't have that Wander guy. Wander is a, I don't want to say generational because we're throwing around generational too easy, but he is one of those top five, top three top seven shortstops in the league. And, and Tampa traded a top 15 prospect in all of baseball, Kyle Manzardo, for Aaron Zavalli at the deadline. Yeah, it, it's looking real peak out there in Tampa. And um, also, not only is McClanahan out for the rest of this year, he's out for the entirety of 2024 with that Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, the, the, the race started on top of the world, 13-0, you know, 
top of the AL East for the longest time, the first three, four months of the season. And it's really been nothing but bad news since. Uh, this is just another thing, you know, obviously this is uh, still an ongoing investigation. And it is important to note that Wander Franco has denied all of the allegations. Of course he will. What are you talking about? Nobody's going to be put themselves guilty, man. Oh, no, I know. Of course he will. Of course he will deny the allegations. He has a, he has a, he has a 10-year bag with the Rays, bro. Yeah, and, and he is still being paid and will receive service time while he's on administrative leave. Um, but we'll, we're going to let the legal system obviously play out here. And the the, 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 the most ironic thing, and I'm not going to say anything else about this more, was that uh, – they had bobblehead night at the Rays Stadium when all this came out. You guys can look into it as you please. Yeah, yeah. It's a really tough situation down there in Tampa. Hope all parties are okay, you know. And uh, let's not talk about the baseball player. Let's talk about the human. Talk about the female involved, you know. It's not, it's not a simple situation, you know. Uh, we'll let the legal system play out. And in more interesting news, that dropped last night again from Ken Rosenthal. Uh, apparently, the Brewers were making a significant push at this year's trade deadline to acquire Pete Alonzo from the Mets. Uh, apparently they spoke with the Mets before and after acquiring Carlos Santana from Pittsburgh on July 27th. Uh, the Brewers understood they would need to part with at least one of their top five prospects in order to get Alonzo. Jackson Churio, the number two prospect in all of baseball, was off the list there. Um, the Mets have disputed that characterization and said that a deal wasn't close. Uh, saying that the conversations never really accelerated to that level. Of course, they're going to say that because they want to defend their guy. They don't want to, you know, put it's, it's a PR up. move, man. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's going to admit that, bro. Nobody's going to admit that they cheated on on their player. You know, nobody's going to admit that we that they were talking to the enemy. Like, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about, family? Relax. Exactly. So if if Churio was off the list, that leaves Sal Freelich, Jefferson Cuero, Jacob Mizarowski, and Tyler Who Black. Who I'm a fan of. I think that's that's my guy. That's one of my prospect picks. I was on Ellie. This is my new my new Jackson. I, I see this guy raw. Yeah, he got he might be he, he's he got next. Yeah. So, and I, also apparently the Cubs spoke to the Mets about Alonso at the deadline. Um, so the the bottom line is, and it, it's clear that Pete Alonso's future with the Mets is very uncertain. Uh, remains a major question. It's a you know Alonso said after Tuesday's games. Uh, Tuesday's game, he addressed the report. He said, I love representing this organization. Being a Met is the only thing I know. I don't know what the future holds right now. I'm a Met and I love being a Met. You know, Alonso uh, is... Why do you love being a Met, man? Of course you do, man. Of course. And he's entering his final year of arbitration next season before becoming eligible for free agency um, after the 2024 season. He'll be 30 when he hits the market. Projects to make about 21 to 22 million next year. And, you know, if the Brewers are willing to pay that, that money next year, doesn't that mean that basically every team, every small market team could be in the Alonzo sweepstakes this offseason if the Mets choose to move him? I don't know. I mean, your thoughts? Honestly, I don't want to see him in Milwaukee. I don't. Would have been, would have been a, a very un, very on Milwaukee movie. Usually they trade for smaller names. It's not, it's not really. It's not on Milwaukee move. They always do this move every five years. They do some type of move five years. They do the CC Sabathia, then they do the uh, the Christian Yelich. This is the new Christian Yelich move. So it's just like Christian Yelich is going to be off the book soon, and like yeah, he's had a good year, but he hasn't been that good ever since those knee injuries caught up. Honestly, I want to see him in, on the north side. I want to see him in Wrigley. I think he'd, he'd be. A, I think he'd be a terror up there. The only problem is I don't know what you would give up because I kind of think the Cubs have PCA. 
Pico Armstrong is pretty much untouchable. That's another one of my guys. And Cade Horton, those two guys are pretty much like untouchable. But I would love to see him in the north side. I would love to see a team of Pete, Arms, uh, Pete Alonzo, Dansby Swanson, and Cody Bellinger. I think that would be one of the most hated teams in baseball. Like, yeah. absolutely. Like, I, f- I feel like the, the, the rage level, like, Dansby's not a hateable guy, but I just feel like he just, like, I don't know. It's just something about him that you could just hate. He, he, like, I like Andrew so much, but it's just like, you know what he screams of? He screams like that Southern guy that's too nice. That he's just like, man, this guy is way too freaking nice. So there's got to be something dirty about the guy. they got to be something right away. And then Cody Bellinger is kind of like that West Coast kid that's just like, you know, just go with the flow. But I would love to see him in, 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 um, in Cup Blue up in the north side. I think he'd hit 50 home runs easy at Wrigley. It would be craziness. He'd be hitting home runs outside. What's the street called? Utah. No, yeah, that's yeah, he, that's uh, that's um, that's Baltimore. It's uh, Addison. It's on Clark yeah, Addison. He, yeah, he'd be hitting home runs out on Addison. I think the ladies would love him up in uh, Chicago, even though he is a a uh, cuffed male. But I feel like I feel like the the women of MLB fandom would all become Cubs fans with those three. Yeah, that, know? yeah, that would be. I mean, they do have to if they resign Bellinger this offseason, give him the bag. That is a pretty pretty great trio right there. I think they're yeah. all married, though. I know Dansby is, Pete is. I don't know. I, I think Cody is. Cody, Cody, Cody's married. Uh, Dansby's married to Mallory Pugh, which I don't know how he did the whole, like, you know, Cubs winning streak and uh, the World Cup at the same time with those 2 a.m. Well, I think she, she was out. I think she, she tore her ACL. I think she was out of the World Cup. Uh, who else? Yeah, and then, they, they like I'm saying, there's a lot to like about the Cubs if they do add them, and it puts them in a very good position. Their window is wide open. I mean, the Ricketts family has been willing to spend. Um, there's not many other teams that could see them. It's like you're not going to go to Houston because Houston doesn't have any money. Not money, but they don't have any. Their farm's pretty much washed at this point. Um, and they just uh, signed Jose Abreu. He's got another year left on his deal. That doesn't matter. He, he, you, you can DFA him. <laughs> Fair. You know, like, you know, you know uh, them boys down there in Houston, they, they'll cook the books like Enron. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't they don't they don't care and it's just like i don't see them on a west coast team because i can't see them out in la la maybe a san francisco yeah. san francisco or chicago but from a from a fan perspective i would love to see them in the cubs um and the cubs would become an instant you know juggernaut like that's a that's a bat that changes my he needs to go to a big market i would love to see him in, in pinstripes because I feel he has that personality to, to thrive in pinstripes. You know, he can't. you can't send him to a small market because he has that, like, fuck you attitude. Yeah. So I kind of feel like he would be, fit really, really good into the Yankee clubhouse. You know, him and Garrett Cole leading the way, they have the same type of, like, vibe that I feel like, you know. Well, I, we don't need to talk about the Yankees on this podcast. I think – I know, but I'm, just saying, but I'm just saying the Mets would never deal with the Yankees, but I just feel like he'd be one of those guys if I'm like the GM of the Yankees that I'd go target because of his personality. We've made a really big point that some players really uh, have these personalities that tend to thrive in bigger markets. A Pete Alonso is one of those guys that would like love to be in the spotlight. He loves he – loves, he's a showman. He's a freaking showman. So what I'm saying is – there's only certain big markets in Major League Baseball that they need a first baseman. None of the LA teams need a first baseman. Seattle doesn't have enough money and not not a big enough market, so you're pretty much just down to you know a New York Yan- the Yankees, and that's not happening. Um, I don't feel like Boston would be in play. No, I don't think so. Either. 
I don't I don't think Boston being played, so it kinda you're just drawn to the Cubs and probably San Francisco. And I mean I don't think Miami makes sense at all. I think that what I just don't understand is and here's my little spiel, is like why are you deciding to move Pete Alonso? Like what is there's something we don't know in New York because if I'm picking between a guy to build around, I'm picking Pete. Like Pete is the face of the franchise of the Mets. When I think Mets, I think Pete. I don't think Francisco. No. So why are we holding Francisco hostage? Are we looking at a return that we're looking at? Which at that point, okay, I'd understand. Because then with Lindor, if you want to trade him, you're probably eating money. Yeah. You're going to eat money. And I kind of feel like you don't want to eat money anymore. So, okay, I would understand giving Pete. But at the same time, that's the dude I want to be the face of this next-gen Mets. He's homegrown. He's been one of the guys. And he performs at the highest level. And so I, I just don't understand. And he's on pace to hit 500 home runs. You know, this is very well could be a 500 home run guy in his career, and that's Hall of Fame. Like that, he is could be a benchmark he, Hall of Fame guy. He could be the Mets' David Wright. And that's what I'm saying. And so, could you live with yourself if you're the GM of the Mets, Billy Epler, of trading a future Hall of Famer, a, a beloved Met? For you know whatever you get in return, are you okay swallowing that pill? It's a tough trade to make, or you know you, obviously you have Steve Cohen who's who would be willing to extend Alonzo. He would be willing to shell out the money. You would think he can afford it, the contract. Yeah. So it's like I, I agree. I think it makes a lot more sense to build around Pete. He's the beloved guy in New York. He's the potential Hall of Famer. He'd be a career Met. He'd be one of only two players in the Hall of Fame that are wearing the Mets hat. In, in Cooperstown. Tom Seaver and Mike Piazza. Those are the only two Mets in Cooperstown. He's, he could be he's the, the third. Face. He'd be the face of the franchise. Like he already is the face of the franchise. I don't understand. Like this morning I woke up and I was like, bro, why would you do that? Like unless you really just want to redo the farm system. The only reason I can see it is because you want to redo the farm system and you don't want to eat money, which are horrible cop outs for Steve Cohen because you've shelled out three hundred and thirty million for payroll and that you just don't want to eat more money. You know, it's just like it's just there's just way more upsides to Pete Alonso. Francisco Lindor right now is just a defensive shortstop at this point. He's a glorified Anderson Simmons. Hot take. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So yeah, the Mets are in a very interesting situation right now. I'll be Mets will be another one of those really interesting teams to follow this winter. Uh, here's my thing. What, what do you want to see, Pete? What'd you say? What do you want to see, Pete? Where do I where? want? I want to see him stay with the Mets. Honestly, I want to see him be a lifelong Met. Yeah, but we're saying, but we're saying, if he gets, if he gets, like at this point, it's like inevitable. If like the, if all this smoke is coming out, like it's getting to the point where a lot of this, yeah, it's still repairable. But when there's smoke, they're usually fire. So at this point, you're not going to be in field goal range and then come out and put out reports at the deadline saying, "Oh, we're not going to trade him." Like there has been some type of internal discussion. Yeah. Well, he could fill that. So it's DH just like at this point, he could fill that DH spot in, in with the Dodgers if they don't get Otani. I think SF would make sense, but I just don't know if that's a market big enough for him. Uh, San Diego, I don't think they're, they'd be willing to make that move. They don't have the prospects. They're tanked. Yeah, they're San tanked. Diego is freaking tanked right now, they, and they have way bigger issues in hitting. Um, I'm, I mean, I like the idea of him going to the Cubs. I think that would make the most sense out of the big market teams. You know, because Candelario is going to be gone after this year, probably. So they don't have a first baseman. Y'all just DFA'd. What was it, Mancini? Mancini, yeah. 
And, and Candelario has kind of been running first for, for the Cubs. Yeah, he's a free agent after this year. So, I mean, Chicago makes sense, but are they willing to part with one of their top prospects? They'd have to. I don't, I don't know if the, if Chicago really has the trade off or the books because they're not trading PCA. Or Cade, but that's a, but the whole thing is is the door is wide open next year in the Central. Yeah, like, like the Central is in such a place that there's so more like this season has created so much more questions for the Central next year than answers. Like the Reds have to invest, but it's like what are they going to invest in? Like the past years, the Reds have invested, and those investments haven't worked out. The Brewers, they're pretty much asking for a jump from Sal Freelick. Yelich to come back at the same, and William Contreras to be the top guys. And you still have the cloud of Brandon Woodruff being healthy and Corbin Burns still being on the team. The the Cardinals, we don't know. God knows what's going down over there. You know, who who the hell knows what they're going to be at this point, you know? I, I, think, then, I think the Milwaukee trade would have been fun if it happened. I think they... It would have been fun, but but, but it just he, killed... It would have been, it's fun for this year, but you just kill off his... I don't want to say kill off his career, but it's just like, well, he's going to be on a Milwaukee team where he's going to be that, that meme where it's going to be a Bugatti in a trap house. You think highly of Pete. Yeah, because he's, he's probably the best power hitter in the game right now. One of the, one of the one best, of if not the best. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad. Pure, I pure, pure power. Not, we're not talking about hitters. So it's just like pure power. Yeah, no, I'm glad I traded for him uh, in fantasy baseball. He's been helping out the home run cap. He's a showman. I would like. I'm saying, Yankees, Cashman. If you listen to the podcast, go 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 tap his line up. Tap his line up like like Arteta tapped up uh, Declan Rice last season. Yeah, I mean. It'll be another fun story to follow this offseason. Before we get out, we have to talk about the Red Hot Mariners. You know, the Mariners, since July 20th, they are 24-8, and eight, including two eight-game winning streaks. Uh, they swept Houston in Houston, three-gamer. They swept LA, uh, the Angels, in four. Uh, they were nine games, nine and a half games back in the division on July 20th. They are now only one game back. They hold the third wild card spot in the American League, which is the spot you want to be in because you'd be matched up with the three-seeded Minnesota Twins versus having to play Tampa Bay. I think you'd much rather play Minnesota than have to go play Tampa Bay, even with the injuries. I I disagree. Can I say something right there? I'm going to do a hot take. And I know, Joe, you're listening to this. I know you're listening to the podcast and you've listened to this part. I would rather play the Tampa Bay Rays instead of the Twins. Because of the arms, because of the arms that Minnesota has, not because of that, but it's just like Minnesota home games. I'm not saying Minnesota fans are crazy, but I'm just saying going playing in, the, in October in Minnesota, it's going to be freaking God knows 30 degrees. You know how it is up there. It's like freaking Antarctica up there. It gets cold like like that. You know, it's like a, it's like a blast chiller up there. You yeah. know, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to go play them, and then they have the arms, so it's kind of like you know. Comparative, like you you go play Tampa in a freaking domed environment in in Florida where it's going to be seven degrees. I mean, the ball is going to fly more, and you know how some players, you know, the bats can't hit in the cold. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Minnesota will be a tough tough spot. Uh, guys like Julio, I mean, Julio Rodriguez has been the hottest player in all of baseball uh, for the past month. Uh, his numbers since July twentieth, twenty nine games. His average is three sixty eight with a four hundred eight OBP, six thirty nine slug. Eight homers, twenty nine ribbies, eleven stolen bases, one eighty nine WRC plus, and a two point three FanGraph WAR. Dude has been on absolute fire. Cal Raleigh also has twelve home runs since July twentieth. Uh, 
he has a 1.5 Fangraph war and a 148 WRC plus. All really great numbers. Um, and you know, Seattle's a team that has the rotation that translates to October. Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, three top line arms right there with rookies Bryce Miller and Bryson uh, Brian Wu holding down, holding their own in, in the back half of that rotation this year. Penn, you know, they obviously traded Seawald at the deadline. But it's been it's bending, not breaking. You know, Andres Munoz and Matt Brash have been holding down that closer role. Um, Justin Topa and Gabe Spear have been good in high leverage spots for them. In the three weeks since the trade of Paul Seawald at the deadline, the Mariners' pen ranks fifth in the big leagues with 2.552 ERA, and their FIP is a 3.20, which ranks first in the big leagues. So their pen's good. They have a great rotation. The bats are finally coming along. You know, the rotation's been was keeping them around 500 for the first four months. And now the bats have finally gotten hot and they've skyrocketed. They've looked like the Mariners team. We kind of expected them to, to be good this year. I know you were kind of down on them more so than most, and it looked like it was right, but now they're finally catching fire and they look like a tough team to play in, in October. Well, I mean, it's only a reason because J-Rod's playing at MVP level right now. That's, that's the reason. And I think that's kind of always been that we haven't been high on their bats I mean, the pitching the pitching's always been a strong point, but it's kind of been like the bats have been holding it down. And I feel like, con- congratulations, you've developed great arms, but I just feel like can the bats keep it up for the rest of the season? And That's the October. biggest thing. But, yeah. but what was like in October? October? Pitching. The pitching. But, but, but at the same time, in the AL, I am more scared of other rotations than Seattle. Yes, it is a complete rotation, but I am more scared of other rotations. Okay, who are you more scared of? Like rotations-wise? Yeah. I'm, rotations-wise, probably Houston and Texas. I like their rotations a little bit more. I just think they're they're just more proven commodities in the playoffs. And I like Toronto's more if they get in. And I also they get it. And, and like I'm saying, I like, the lineups uh, Minnesota in the AL does have a sneaky rotation. Absolutely come October. brutal. Houston, Texas, and Toronto's lineups are just murderers row. Can you say that again? I think cut out. Houston, Toronto's, and Texas's lineups are murderers row. Absolutely, and and Seattle definitely. Yeah, has and the game and the game is it is a hitting game these days. You know that's a fact. Well, it is a game. I know October baseball is different, but I just would prefer. I would, I would prefer. I would put money on Altuve and the boys as much as we hate them to get it done. Those bats to get it done in the postseason. Absolutely. They're like the golden. They're like the Golden State Warriors. It doesn't matter what seed they get in. They're gonna make it happen. They'll be a seven seed or a six seed, but they'll still make a run. They're going to get hot. They're gonna make a run. They've done it. It's like Altuve is like a Clay Thompson now. He's not the same player, but hey, he's still gonna have Game Six Clay. Yeah, the 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 Astros are you know kind of this generation's nineteen nineties, and they haven't won as much, but they they're kind of like the Yankees were in the nineties. They've just won year after year. They've been in in the World Series and the ALCS. They've been dominating the American League. So yeah, you're right. I mean. It's hard. It's gonna be hard to bet against Houston come October time for sure. But I'm or Texas, man. Don't 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 sleep on Texas. I mean, I watched Toronto a little bit this weekend. I know we're gonna get off topic, but I watched Toronto and you see they have so much talent and the moves that they've done make a lot of sense. But there's something like there's something that's not there. You know, you're eating a chicken breast like you're eating a good meal, but it's lacking seasoning. 
It needs a little bit of more salt. That's what I kind of feel with uh, Toronto. I feel that way too. There is something missing with this Blue Jays team. I I think it has to do with the lineups obviously underperformed this year. I, I question the manager, John Schneider. I don't think he's – I know they have Don Mattingly in that in that, uh, in that that dugout helping out, but I, I question that come October if they make it. I mean, right now they're out of a playoff spot. It's going to be either Seattle or, or Toronto really You know, in, in the playoffs. They're battling it out for that, that final wild card spot. I don't really think anybody else is going to be in that race. Um, so I still want to tip my cap to Seattle for finally putting it together at this point in the season. They've been, they've been a joy to watch. And like I said earlier in the pod, Julio Rodriguez, man, he might win Joe the Fantasy Baseball League. Bro, stop, 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 stop saying BS. That's like saying Man United's going to win the league, man. That's like saying like – I mean, Joe Joe was right up there with me the other day. I'm in first, and, and he was right up there. I'm right on his tail, bro. I'm right on his tail, man. I just I just don't have any freaking pitching. We talk about this Fantasy Baseball League a lot uh, on this pod. Yeah, look, but, but, look, but look, all I'll say is this. you know, Let's see if these Purple Patch Merchants can get it done. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. Purple Patch Merchants, it's like they're hot streak. They're streaky players. Let's see if these streaky players can get it done. Like Kyle Riley, Okeno Suarez, J.P. Crawford. Let's see if this core, if these boys could like keep it on, be consistent for, for the next two months of ball that we got left, month and a half of ball. I, I don't think they'll get it done. Um, I think, yeah, they'll make the playoffs. I think they're a tough out, but like I'm saying, I'm, if I'm a wild card team, I'm trying to play Tampa. That's just, that's just me. I would take Tampa, uh, Luis Castillo in a one-off over whoever Tampa's thrown out. Aaron Savale, yeah, give me that. Yeah. All day. Tampa's depleted. And I will, uh, over Tampa and a bullpen that's pretty much garbage cheeks at this point. And I mean, Glasnow can get hit at, you know. Can we, can we talk about how you said at the trade deadline that you love what the Angels did and you thought that they were going to end up Making a run for the division, making a run for the wild card. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad about it. I mean, their man, their GM actually did something unlike your team's GM did. And I, like, I think, that, that, I think that, that, the Angels are absolutely screwed moving forward. They have nothing left. They might be worse than the A's next year. You can trade Trout for for pieces. You could trade Trout. They they have tradable pieces. Well, who else <laughs> besides Trout to, could they trade? They got Tyler Anderson on that three-year, thirty-three Oof. million. You know, some team's gonna, you know, some team's gonna bite. Oof. I mean, because he had that one good year and the Dodgers. Ward, got him. Trade uh, Rendon. Ain't nobody trading for Rendon. Nah, Rendon, you're gonna have to eat that money. They're gonna have to do the Mike Mustakas DFA style or Bobby Bonilla for the next twenty years for him. <laughs> they, yeah, the, uh, the Angels yeah. might be in the worst situation out of any team in the league right now. I disagree. I don't think they're that bad. I don't. I, I think you just trade Trout. You know. You got budding. Maybe uh, you build Ronald Hoppy. Oh my God! <laughs> it's, it's getting, like they should have traded Otani two years ago, bro. You're saying that because it's revisionist history. Was, but, oh, they should, but it's just like, the bro, they should have traded Otani like, at the deadline. But it's just like, bro, do you want to be the GM that trades Otani and not get enough back, or you want to be the uh, or you want to be the dude that oh this dude like made the playoffs with Otani? Like, bro, he's falling on a sword better than freaking Cashman, who Cashman traded for Kenyon Milton. And look at what the Yankees are doing. Do you want to be the GM that didn't trade Otani and now his franchise is screwed for the next 20 years? He tried. Well, they, they, it's like, they, it's, 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 it's like, oh, I'm going to dump my girlfriend because it's not working out. Okay, cool. You're going to cut it off early. Hey, they went to therapy. It didn't work out. Cool. You look back at it at the good times. Well, <laughs> the Angels kind of screwed themselves by playing their best baseball in the two weeks leading up to the deadline. And they were like a, a few games out of the wild card. So it, it did make sense at the time, but then they just fell off an absolute cliff afterwards. And 
They got Nolan Shamuel, man. Nolan Shamuel will go revive that franchise. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, it, 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 I'm telling you right now, the best analogy to them is like, they're that dude that went to therapy with their girlfriend and it didn't work out. And now he's reminiscing, just reminisce on those good times <laughs> instead of just cutting it off early. Yeah. Reminisce on those good times of Trout and Otani winning MVPs and the team finishing above 500 or under 500 for the 10th time in a row. Yeah. Those are the good old days. Hey, that's like you 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 have a great relationship, but living in a freaking shack. Hey, hey, at least hey, if you're if you're an Angels fan, hey, you know, I, I, you might have lost Otani and Trout and finished with under five hundred for the last ten years, but at least the team made some good revenue off Otani jersey sales. Hey, definition of of, of Jonah Hill and knocked up with uh, what's her name, uh, Kathleen Heigl. I don't get the reference, but have you ever seen Knocked Up? No, the movie. No. Oh, bro. Jonah Hill's like this absolute stoner dude, like with no business mentor. Like he had like a very uh, XXX rated business mentor <laughs> that's like kind of like one of those things like startups and it wasn't going to work out. And then he meets the some TV actress or no, the host of a television show at a bar, knocks her up and has a kid. And they're like, oh, my God, how do I do this? How did this happen? You know. So that's the angels with Otani and Trout. Yeah. yeah. Well, it didn't work out. I, I, I wouldn't be stunned if we see. They just cut bait with Trout this offseason, which, I mean. They should have done it two years ago. But, hey, I mean, just be happy about those good times, man. Just enjoy the good times. Well, we hope this podcast was a good time for the listeners. We hope you guys can reminisce on what you guys just listened to and look back on it with great memory. Oh, man. The Rays are freaking dead, buddy. What happened? The Rockies are up 5-3 to three in the bottom of the ninth. Wow. Well, anyways, I – I hope if you guys can reminisce on a great podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this one. You got anything else to say before we get out? Bro, I'm about to go watch this Rockies game, man. And I'm about to go watch the end of this Orioles-Blue Jays game as well as uh, probably some Astros-Red Sox, some playoff implications there. We'll be back next week, probably be chopping it up about uh, pennant races, which you know, wild card races, which are pretty interesting this year. September call-ups. September call-ups. There's been a lot of youth movement around around the league. Um, and that NL wildcard race is going to be a, a really fun one to watch on the stretch. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Appreciate you for listening. Luis, thanks for coming on as always. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. Peace. Peace.